Good morning. Hope you're all doing well this morning. Caleb, if you've not seen me before or don't know me, I'm the student pastor here at Grace Fellowship. Blessed with the opportunity this morning to uh, get to speak with you on the topic of ownership. Today's family value, I want to read that for you real quick. It goes like this. Every Christ follower has a personal responsibility to take ownership for his or her own spiritual growth, while we as a church have a responsibility to provide the inspiration, information, and resources necessary for that growth to occur. So, spiritual growth. This specific value, the way we've got it listed out, this answers the what question. What are we supposed to do as Christians? What are we supposed to do as Christ followers? And maybe some of the obvious answers are things like, well, we're supposed to be more like Jesus. But I want to tell you this morning that there is a, there's more depth to this uh, than meets the eye. So today we're going to attempt to articulate that, that what question. Try to figure out what, is that, what does that mean in its fullness. If we can do that, and then we're going to go on to try to answer the question how, and then the question why. So today we're going to be in Ephesians chapter 4. So if you've got your Bibles with you, you can open them or turn them on, however you do that. We're going to be in Ephesians chapter 4, and we'll be going all over the place, so get your thumb tabs or search bars ready, and uh, here we go. So, throughout Scripture, once again, we are encouraged to dig deeper into what it means to be a Christian, what it means to grow. C.E. McCartney, he was a prominent Presbyterian pastor in the early 20th century, and he has a pretty great quote that talks about the life of a Christian, and it goes like this. It says, between an airplane In every other form of locomotion and transportation, there is one great contrast. The horse and wagon, the automobile, the bicycle, the locomotive, the speedboat, and the great battleship, all can come to a standstill without danger. And they can all reverse their engines or their power and go back. But there is no reverse about the engine of an airplane. It cannot back up. It dare not stand still. If it loses its momentum and forward dives, then it crashes. The only safety for the airplane is in its forward and upward motion. The only safe direction for the Christian to take is forward and upward. If he stops or if he begins to slip and go backward, that moment he is in danger. What I get from this quote and what I get from Scripture first and foremost, is that we are not to be believers who are complacent, who are stagnant, who sit still. We're to be dynamic characters in this redemption story that God has written throughout all of history. We're meant to change. We're meant to grow. We're meant to, to do. Ephesians 4, chapter, uh, chapter 4, verse 1 tells us to walk worthy of the calling with which we were called. And 2 Timothy 2.15 goes on to say this, Be diligent to present yourself to God. Present yourself approved to God, a worker who does not need to be ashamed. 1 Peter 2.2 says this, As newborn babes desire the pure milk of the Word, that you may grow thereby. So the responsibility is very clear. Every Christian has a personal, that means you, you get to own this, as a personal responsibility for your spiritual growth, to take ownership of that spiritual growth. And what about the last part? The last part says this, we as a church, we have a responsibility to provide this inspiration, this information, and the resources necessary for that growth to occur. Ephesians 4, 11-12 puts it in this way. It says, And He Himself gave some to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, 
and some pastors and teachers for the equipping of the saints, for the work of ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. And Paul, an apostle, he writes in Colossians 1.28 saying, Him we preach, warning every man and teaching every man in all wisdom that we may present every man perfect in Christ Jesus. So please take note that it is not the church's responsibility for you to grow. We don't get to make you grow. We get to help you grow. And there's a big difference because what that means is there's two, there's two people in that scenario. There's the church and then there's you. And we get to supply and give you help and give you things that can help you grow. But you have to take the action to say, I'm going to actually apply this. I'm going to actually take a step forward in my faith. And I'm going to grow. So the church is to, to equip the believer with the tools necessary for that growth to occur. And as the saying goes, I mean, we can't, you can lead a horse to water, but you can't make it drink. And that, that kind of applies here. You know, we can lead you to that water, that living water in Christ. But if you don't take the action, that step to drink of that water, that's not on us. It's not on us, the church. That's on the individual. So each of us has a personal responsibility to take ownership for our spiritual growth. So if this is what we must do, how do we do this? How do we grow? There's much to learn about this from the Bible, and ironically, this is the Bible. having to be my first answer to that how question. If you want to grow in your knowledge of God, the Bible is the answer. If you want to grow in your knowledge of Righteousness, the Bible is the answer. And so we should be diving into Scripture. We should be going to God in His Word and finding Him there, learning more about Him. That is, a, that is, that is probably the biggest place of spiritual growth right here. When you know the one you serve. You know the one who saved you, who called you out of your sin and saved you by His wonderful grace. Jesus prayed this in John seventeen seventeen, saying, Sanctify them by your truth. Your word is truth. Reading the Word of God is cleansing to the heart and the mind of the believer. It sanctifies. It puts you in front of that mirror where you get to see how do you line up? How do you line up with the character of God? How do you line up with who God says you should be? We need to know the truth. 2 Timothy 3 16 through 17 says, All Scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness. Verse 17, this is important, that the man of God may be complete, thoroughly equipped for every good work. If you want to be equipped, if you want to grow, God's Word is the answer. You go to God right here. He has revealed Himself. If we don't go to this, if we don't go to His Word, we're, we're just like that horse that got led to the water and decided not to drink it. We need it. And Ephesians 4.14 tells us why. It says that we should no longer be tossed to and fro like children, be children tossed to and fro, excuse me, and carried about with every wind of doctrine by the trickery of men and the cunning craftiness of deceitful plotting. The reason we get to go, go to His Word, we get to know Him, is because there's a lot of counterfeits out there. And when you're not taking the step in your life to grow, 
and you're not taking the step in your life to get to know who God is, then anything that comes your way might shift you off-center. He wants you to stay on the straight and narrow. And we can provide, as a church, we can provide, we can equip you with the things that can help you do that. But if you don't take that water that we're giving you, and you're not drinking it, if you're not taking those things and allowing it to change you, then there's nothing else that we can do. So each individual has a personal responsibility to grow. God's Word is important and necessary for your growth and the growth of the church. You must hunger for God's Word. How many of you know what it's like to be so hungry that just about anything tastes good? Just about, any, or better, <laughs> let's put it that way. I kind of, you know, not that I'll go into confession here. I kind of feel that way now. I'm really hungry right now. I ain't going to lie. So, <laughs> but Wednesday nights are, are huge for me because I'll go and I'll eat lunch somewhere around 12.30, 1 o'clock, and then we'll, we'll be at the church and, and doing things, and we'll have the youth programs, and then it's not until about 9 o'clock after the youth program that I, got to, that I get to eat. And the tradition is that we go to the Dairy Queen. Now, Dairy Queen is nothing to rave about, right? Right? Okay. It's not. I mean, it's, it's Dairy Queen. But I'm telling you, I'm so hungry. That place is a five-star restaurant on a Wednesday night. It is good eating. And we need that hunger. The French, they have a proverb that says this, a good meal ought to begin with hunger. A good meal ought to begin with hunger. We must hunger for God's Word. We have to desire that pure milk of God's Word so that we can grow by it. If you don't have a hunger for God's Word, that's something that we need to work on, that we need to be praying about, that you need to be developing. Desire God. Desire His Word. The second answer to the how question is based on action. 1 Peter 15-16 through 16 is going to reflect, reflect on Leviticus 11.44-45. And Peter writes this, he says, But as He who called you is holy, you also be holy in all your conduct, because it is written, Be holy, for I am holy. We need to do as First Peter 1.13-14 says, says, Therefore gird up the loins of your mind, be sober, and rest your hope fully upon the grace that is to be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. As obedient children, not conforming yourselves to the former lust, as in your ignorance. Holiness is, is being different. And it's not just being different for different sake. It's being like God because God is completely different than any sinful man that's ever walked this earth. God is so holy. He is so far different. He's so far better, purer than anything else we could ever imagine. And here Peter asks us, he, he, he puts his commandment on us from Scripture saying, be holy for I am holy. For God is holy. Because God is holy, we need to be holy. We need to be drawing near to Him. And we know that we cannot perfectly be holy all the time. I know from experience. So that's just how that goes. But in Christ, in Christ, that's the beauty of the gospel. It's the beauty of the cross. Is that through Christ, we can be free to do the right thing. Oftentimes outside of Christ, we don't have the freedom to do that right thing all the time. We don't have the Holy Spirit urging us to do the right thing instead of doing maybe what we want to do. When you believe in Christ, you have that spirit within you guiding you to do the right thing. You become free to do the right thing. You become free to be holy. So we need to strengthen, we need to fortify our minds. Don't take your eyes off the hope that is in Christ. Obey God with the faith of an obedient, trusting child 
And don't return to the old ways that were part of your old life when you were ignorant of the truth. We just saw these two kids get baptized. And I think what a perfect example. These children trusting. Trusting in God. If anyone knows about a childlike faith, it's, it was them. They came and they trusted that Jesus is who He says He is. My hope is that as a church, we can equip them to grow. And that they will grow. But it takes all of us. When we say the church, we're not just meaning me and Pastor Jimmy and Pastor Michael and you know, the staff at Savior. We're not, that's not what we're talking about. When we say the church, we mean the collective body of believers right here in this building. How many of you have been saved by God's wonderful grace this morning? You're a part of the church. You have a responsibility to go out and disciple and to help people grow. But you also have that responsibility to grow yourself. And so we also have to be careful not to entertain unrighteousness and allow it to fester. I know what that's like. When, when something kind of sneaks into your life and then it just kind of stays for longer than it should and then it kind of gets a little too big to handle, you start feeding that big bad bear and it gets a little too big, big for you to handle and uh, it brings you to your knees sometimes. We've got to be careful for that. 2 Timothy 2, 16-17 says it this way. But shun profane and idle babblings. And this is the important part, for they will increase to more ungodliness. And the vivid image in the beginning of verse 17 says, and their message will spread like cancer. So don't entertain unrighteousness. If you want to grow in your life, if you want to grow in your spiritual walk with God, you've got to, you've got to, you've got to be on guard for those things that come in and that fester, that come in and eat away at your life. In Christ. We have to be careful for those things. In order to grow, we must devote ourselves completely to God. You must devote yourself completely to God and bring no part of the old you into your new life in Christ. James 1.22-24 says, But be doers of the word, not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. For if anyone is a hearer of the word, not a doer, he is like a man observing his natural face in a mirror. For he observes himself, goes away, and immediately forgets what kind of man he was. So we have to take action. So how? God's Word. And it's not just reading it. It's hungering for it. And it's not just hungering for it. It's acting on it. It's doing. It's putting the things that it says into practice. We have to take action. You only read the Word or hear it preached on Sunday morning, you walk away without an understanding of how that's going to change the way that you live right now, then you've missed the point. You've walked away just like the man who looked at himself in the mirror and forgot what he looked like and then he stepped away. You don't need to be like that. None of us wants to go sit underneath the knife of the surgeon who has only read the book on how to do surgery but not applied the principles in his practice. Right? Right. But take ownership of your faith. It's real. And it is life or death. Just like sitting under the, the knife of a surgeon who is uneducated. It is life or death. We are dealing with that war. Christ has come to give life to those who are dead in their, in their sin. And you can either carry that to them. You can carry that medicine to them. You can read God's Word and be 
be fortified in your mind. You can grow up and be, be holy, for God is holy. You can sit here and, and desire the pure milk of the Word and let it, let it soak in, and then you can go and do, and you can see life change happen all around you. And that's the point of this. It's not about you. Spiritual growth is not about you. It's about your next-door neighbor. It's about your friend at work. It's about the person sitting right next to you in this church. Spiritual growth has far more effect than just the personal life. And that's what makes it such a huge responsibility, such a big call, such a big need in the church today. So no growth, no growth happens when we fail to apply God's truth to our lives. James 1.25 says, But he who looks into the perfect law of liberty and continues in it. Notice that, continuing in it. You don't just get to do it one time and then you're good. You're continuing in it. And is not a forgetful hearer, but a doer of the work. You're putting it to action. You continue to read it. You continue to submit yourself to God's truth. And you continue to act on it. This one will be blessed in what he does. If you want to grow, you must put God's word into action in everyday life. The next answer I have to this how question is prayer. Oftentimes this gets overlooked. It is so important. And believe me, I'm not trying to rank these. So when I say this, I'm not trying to rank these right here. I think this all happens simultaneously. You have to read God's Word to know who God is. Because if you don't know who God is, then who are you praying to? You need God's Word in order to pray to the God that you believe in. You need to know what you believe and why you believe it. So when you pray to the God that you believe in, you know who you're asking. You know who you're talking to. You know who you're pleading with. That's important. So prayer, James 1.5 says it this way, If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask of God, who gives to all liberally and without reproach, and it will be given to him. As a matter of fact, a lot of times when we pray, the answer that God gives us is found in his word. If you need the wisdom necessary for you to be more like Jesus, you need to ask God. Prayer is the communication. Get this, prayer is the communication between you and God that aligns your heart with God's desires. So if you are not praying, if you're not communicating with God, you're not doing as John 15 would say to do and to be attached to that bond. You're not abiding in the truth. And you need to do that. You need to pray. If you don't have a prayer life right now, I encourage you to get that started. Get on your knees. Pray. Ask the God who created you to show you what it means to grow. And then hang on. Is this going to happen? If you want to grow, pray. If you want to grow, you must seek the truth in the Bible and allow it to transform your life. And if you want to grow, you have to commit to an intentional relationship. Not a passive relationship. Not the one where we just come on Sunday mornings and then sing Kumbaya and then go home. Not just that. That's good. I love when we come to service. I love when we come and we worship together and we fellowship and we lift each other up and through the grace of God that's been given to us. But it is so important that you, the individual, have an intentional relationship with the God who created you. That's the step. Because some of you in the room today, that's the step you need to take right now. 
Some of you are not quite at the point where you need to hear just you know, read your Bible and pray. Some of you are at the point where you need to accept Jesus as Lord and Savior. Before you can spiritually grow, you have to be spiritually reborn. And that only happens through Jesus Christ. So why must we do all of this stuff? Why is all of this so important? Why do we have to do all this reading the Bible? Why do we got to, why do we got to pray? All this stuff. Look with me at Ephesians 4, 13 through 16. It says, Till we all come to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God to a perfect man, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, that we should no longer be t- children tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine by the trickery of men and the cunning craftiness of deceitful plotting. But speaking the truth in love, may grow up in all things into him who is the head, Christ, from whom the whole body, joined and knit together by what every joint supplies, according to the effective working by which every part does its share, causes growth of the body for the edifying of itself in love. Raise your hand if you heard an I statement in there. Because that's not what it's about. Your spiritual growth is not about you. Notice this. Notice this. You may grow up in all things from whom the whole body, joined and knit together by what every joint supplies. I would say it this way. You need the church, but the church needs you because you are a part of this church. If we are a body, we need what you supply. God created you specifically for a purpose that He had in mind for the very creation of this world. And you've got to step up and fulfill that purpose. And the only way that happens is if you're growing in your faith. If you're growing, you're taking the, the action, the initiative, to spiritually grow. You need to walk in the Spirit, not walk in the flesh. It's so important. Here's the answer. If I could put it in a sentence, a long one, here's the answer. Because we are called to become more like Christ in order to strengthen the body of Christ, the church, so that the body of Christ can effectively fulfill the great commission for the growth of the kingdom of God. Why do you need to spiritually grow? Because somebody else needs the hope in Christ that you've received. Why do you need to spiritually grow? Because God has given us a commission that can only be done together. He said to go into all the world and make disciples. Last time I checked, I can't go everywhere. <laughs> I probably can't go everywhere in my lifetime. I speak to every person in this world. I need, I need Pastor Jimmy. I need you and you and you. I need each and every one of you to help me in this mission. And we join together as the church and we supply to each other what we have, what God has gifted us to do. Then we see the world around us drastically change. Why do you grow spiritually? Because this community needs you to grow spiritually. Your brother and sister in Christ need you to grow spiritually. Your neighbor, your friend at work needs you to grow spiritually. Because they need the hope that you have in Jesus. It takes unity. Unity requires spiritual maturity. We must grow as individuals in order for us to grow as a church together. 
Grace Fellowship believes that we, the church, must take ownership of equipping you with what you need for growth to occur. And we also believe that you, the individual, must take ownership of using the provided information, resources, and inspiration to achieve exponential growth in your relationship with Jesus. That's what we believe. All in favor? (laughs) So let's do something. In conclusion, I'd like to ask a couple questions. Some of these might hit home, might be a little pointed. Um, and if they are pointed and you get offended, I will be at, uh, you know, Cracker Barrel and Madison at the church. So, um, <clears throat> is growth occurring in your life? Take a moment, ask that question of yourself. Is growth occurring in your life? How about in your family? Is growth occurring in your family? Is your life the dynamic neon sign that screams, Jesus paid it all and all to him I owe? Or is your life as dynamic as the dust collecting on your Bible at home? And it doesn't have to be the dust collecting on the Bible. Many of us in the room have picked up our Bibles very much. We come to church every Sunday and we bring our Bible with us. But I've known people to pick up their Bible, to read it, and to walk away from it just like a man who looked in the mirror. And the minute he left, he forgot who he was. Are we growing? It all starts with your commitment to Jesus. It starts with your commitment to Jesus. As I've said before, that's some of you in the room. Some of us in the room, you, you, haven't, you haven't accepted Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior yet, and you're here, and that's great. I'm so happy you're here. We're glad you're here. You're here for a purpose. We believe that. All I'm asking is that you would not leave the same person that you came in. That you would leave changed by the grace and mercy of a loving Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, who came and died for your sins and for mine. Would you come on this journey of spiritual growth with us? Would you come grow with us? For those of you in the church who have been coming a long time, maybe you're a part of the life of this church. You're saved. You believe in Jesus as Lord and Savior. Maybe things have just kind of slowed down. Maybe things have just kind of gotten a little stagnant. Maybe Not on purpose. Sometimes it's just that slow fade and you know, things, one thing after another happens and next thing you know, you haven't read your Bible in a week, two weeks, a month. You haven't prayed in a week, two weeks, a month. And now you're here. And I want to speak to you this encouragement. Just as Jimmy said, God is a, a God of new mercies every morning. God is a God of forgiveness and He loves you. Be repentant. Be obedient in repentance. Ask God to transform your life today as you turn back to Him. To line you back up with His desires. Because sometimes we get off track. So today is the day that you get to choose who you will serve. Who you will grow into. Will you grow into Jesus? Or will you grow into the world? As the altar opens, I'm going to ask you guys, whatever that is on your heart, whether that's whether you're the person that needs Jesus, whether you're the person that has Jesus, and maybe you kind of lost touch. This altar's here for you. It's here for healing. It's here for your business that you need to do with God today. And I ask that you don't leave without doing that. Let's pray. Father God, we love you. 
We thank you so much for everything that you've done for us, Lord. Thank you for Jesus Christ who paid the price for our sin. God, I pray that we would not be stagnant, that we would not sit still in our faith, Lord, but that we would go upward and forward and that we would grow, that we would press into who you are and know more about you, Father, that we might love you more, that we might worship you more, that we might glorify you more in this world. For the sake of our neighbors and our co-workers and the people sitting beside us right here in this building, Lord, I pray that we would all take up the initiative to grow. For those of us who haven't accepted you as Lord and Savior, Lord, I pray that you would do that wonderful work, that mighty work that only you can do. May we trust in you more today. Lord, we love you and we praise you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.